0: Praise the Lord. Welcome to the house of the Lord on this Lord's Day. I was in the spirit on the Lord's Day. I'm thankful for the Lord's Day, Sunday. We celebrate the wonder and glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Message today, who is in your hand? Let's begin with Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Acts chapter 9 is the chapter that gives the record of the salvation of Saul of Tarsus who later became the Apostle Paul. He was a religious Pharisee and a persecutor of the Christians in the early church. The Bible says he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter and imprisonment against the people of the Lord, against the true church. And he had brought many people to death and many to prison. He was down in Jerusalem, but in Acts chapter 9, He made his way all the way up to Damascus 300 kilometers north to arrest some more believers and take them to prison make their life miserable but on the way as he neared Damascus the light brighter than the noonday sun shone upon him the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord said who are you persecuting and he called out to the Lord Jesus that day and became a saved person a new creation in Christ And from then on, he began a journey of faith and development in the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, he's in Damascus, in a house, praying after that encounter. Verse 17 says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me, that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? And has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. His eyes had been opened to the Old Testament scriptures. He saw Jesus everywhere, the fulfillment of the prophecies, Jesus Messiah. Then it says, Now after many days were passed, those many days, That's the better part of three years. Three years later, that's how quick the transition is. For after his conversion and his immediate preaching in the synagogues in Damascus, the Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul, in his own record in Galatians, went for three years into Arabia, the wilderness area, the desert area, east of Damascus. And there he was taught of the Holy Spirit. There he searched the scriptures there was the development of his ministry, the birthing of the ministry that God had for him. Now after many days were passed, so then he came back and was in Damascus preaching. But it says the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. The Jews plotted to kill him for his preaching, that Jesus was Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket, a commercial basket at the markets. 2 Corinthians 11, 32 to 33. Paul says, in Damascus, the governor under Aretas the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. So the king now, not only the Jewish authorities, the king was desiring to arrest him, but he said, I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Aretas was the Nabataean king. He ruled the territory on the eastern part of Damascus and south. And his capital was the famed Petra, the famed city of Petra. Well, after Paul came back out of the desert and was preaching in Damascus, he not only annoyed the Jewish religious leaders, but he annoyed the civil authorities as well. And he found out that they were desiring to apprehend and to put him to death. And so he was hiding in the city. But one cloudy night, some believers put him in a basket, let him down, through a window on a house that was built on the city wall and he fled out into the night and made his way down to Jerusalem and then over to Tarsus where he was for many years. Who were these men? Bible doesn't tell us who they were, doesn't give us their names. Who were these men that risked their lives and their families to let Saul of Tarsus the Apostle Paul, down over the city wall and so he could make his escape into the night. To have been found out would have been certain death, traitors against the king. Did these men know who they had in their hands? Perhaps they did. Maybe there was a glimmer. They saw something in him of the call of God. They saw something in him him of the life of God. This man who would... Break open the Gentile world to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This man who would write fully half of the New Testament. This man who would become known as the greatest apostle that ever lived. These men held him in their hands. What did they see in him? Some call of God. Some gift of God. Some anointing some design of God in this man's life. Can you imagine how they felt some 12 to 15 years later when reports began to come back in from places like Galatia and Antioch and Corinth and Macedonia and Ephesus? How about a man? He's now known as the Apostle Paul. Signs and wonders and unusual miracles. Cities are being turned upside down. People by the thousands and tens of thousands are coming to Jesus Christ as Savior. The Roman world will never be the same. Can you imagine how those men's hearts filled with wonder? We saved his life so many years ago. We let him down with a basket over the city wall and he made his escape into the night. The question today is, who is in your hand who is in your hands, some son, some daughter, some new convert with a call of God on their life, some teenager in the youth department, some child in the Sunday school class, who is in your hands, there's a gift of God in them. Take care of them, encourage them, bless them. You never know who they will become and what work they will do. Let them down gently and send them into the future with God. Send them into the future with God. Those men, those believers in Damascus, they saw something in Paul that other people could not see. Some people criticized Saul of Tarsus. Some didn't trust him. Some were jealous of him. But these men said, we're going to hold him in our hands. We're going to put our hands to this man. We're going to put our hands to this gift of God in this person's life. And we're going to let this person run into the future with God. Maybe there's a David in your hands this morning. His brothers didn't think much of him. His father passed over him, didn't even invite him in to the gathering when Samuel came to Jesse's house to anoint a king, anoint a king in Jesse's house. And Jesse brought his seven sons before Samuel because the word of the Lord was one of them, one of these sons of Jesse will be the next king. And they started to come before Samuel and the Holy Spirit said, this is not the one. And the Holy Spirit said, this is not the one. And the seven sons of Jesse came by. And there was no prompting of the Holy Spirit that anyone was anointed to be king. So Samuel was a little perplexed. He finally said to Jesse, are are these all your sons? Jesse said, oh, there's the youngest He's out there in the field taking care of a few sheep. A few sheep. And the Lord said these words to Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 7, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. These are the sons that went by. For the Lord does not see as man sees, For every man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He's looking for sons and daughters. He's looking for people that have a heart after God. And David had a heart after God. And God says, that's the one that I will choose. Let's not be so quick to judge. Let's not be so quick to pass over people. Maybe there's a gift of God in them that we wish years later we had put our hand to instead of standing back with small praise, instead of trying to resist or not say much good about them. The Bible says judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. Judge nothing before the time in one another until the Lord comes. And then every man will have praise of God. Number one this morning, every person is a gift from God. Every person is a gift from God. Now, we may not end up as a Samuel, or be a David, or be an Apostle Paul, but in our time and place, we are of infinite worth to God. We have our own time. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, to touch our generation, to touch our life and the people around us with the gift of God. Every person is indispensable. Maybe not irreplaceable, but every person is indispensable because there is a unique gift of God inside of every person. God has a holy design. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 said, Therefore, from now on, I guess we can start this morning. No matter your behavior or manner, you can have a new start this morning therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh outward observation outward estimation opinions and thoughts and suspicions about one another from now on we regard no one according to the flesh we're not looking at the outward appearance we're not looking at the stature of a person the physical appearance Like God, we want eyes to see the heart, to see the call of God, to see the ministry of the Lord. Paul said, Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're looking on the new creation. We're looking on the divine nature. We're looking on the call of God. We're looking on the gift of God inside of every person, every believer, every child of God. The apostle Paul said, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him now no longer. He's admitting there was a day when he looked on Christ according to the flesh, according to human estimation, and he found out he was wrong so wrong judging by human standards you think of the people in Nazareth Jesus Christ had grown up in their midst and they heard of him that Capernaum and other places where he was going there were great signs and wonders people were healed miracles were taking place people were delivered from demonic power People were responding to this man, Jesus Christ. Their lives were filled with joy and gladness. And one day Jesus came back to his hometown after a few weeks of ministry and he should have been welcomed. But they said, this is the carpenter of Nazareth. This is the carpenter's son. We know his brothers and sisters. We know all about him. They were too familiar with him instead of seeing the call of God, instead of seeing the ministry of the Lord in in him. And the Bible says Jesus could not do many mighty works among them. And they they just said to themselves, yeah, we didn't think he was everything that people were saying he was. But it wasn't that he wasn't. Abel it was their unbelief that wouldn't allow them to receive his ministry so he could do great things among them It wasn't he who was stingy on the miracles and on the power of God It was their unbelief that held back the flow and release and the anointing into their own lives We don't read of anyone in his hometown of Nazareth pressing on him to hear the word of God, hungry and thirsty, can't wait to get into the presence of Jesus so he can speak and minister his word into our lives. We don't hear of anyone reaching out their hand. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. No, they just stood back, judged him according to the flesh. and Jesus finally had to leave town, shake the dust off his feet, off his shoes, said a prophet is without honor in his own country in his own region and among his own relatives they couldn't receive him they didn't receive him he shook the dust off his feet prophets without honor where he's well known but it shouldn't be that way if there's any place jesus christ should have been received it would have been nazareth the apostle paul said i There was a time when I judged Jesus of Nazareth according to the flesh. I regarded him after human estimation. I looked at him, a would-be teacher and preacher. Yeah, he seemed to have a following. He could gather crowds. But I looked at him as an imposter, a false messianic claimant, a misguided zealot. I wrote him off. I wouldn't receive him. People said, oh, what about the signs and wonders? My, nobody does miracles like this man. Nobody has been, open, been able to open the eyes of the blind from the foundation of the world. This man even opens the eyes of the blind. Paul said, well, the rabbis say that he's operating under the power of Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And if the rabbis say it, that's good enough for me. Wouldn't discern it for himself. No regard for Jesus Christ. He regarded him after the flesh, but once his eyes were opened, he saw who Jesus of Nazareth was, the Messiah of God, the Savior of the world, the healer, the salvation of God. Again, let's not be too quick to judge people, to judge one another, to pass our opinions over people and to accept or reject according to our own intuition. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. Let the Lord do a work, and then we'll see what men and women are and the gift of God that's in their life. Every person is a gift from God. Every Christian, new creation in Christ, has a calling, has a ministry, has a design, has a holy anointing, and we are to put our hands to those people and encourage the gift and the call of God. Number two, protect them from the enemy shield them from evil and from evil men from evil purposes and from harm protect those whom god has given you second corinthians again 11:32 and damascus the governor under Aretas the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desiring to arrest me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Protect, like those believers did in that embryonic call of God in Saul of Tarsus. John seventeen five. Jesus said, I do not pray, Father that you should take them out of the world, that is the believers, but that you should keep them from the evil one. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Sorry, you can't leave yet. You've got to stay here. I know it's not easy, but Jesus doesn't want you yet. He says, Father, I pray that you do not take them out of the world. I don't want them in heaven yet. Every one of those believers that I've called and chosen have a ministry. They have a place. They have a time. They have a purpose. They have a refining that needs to go on in their life. They need to bring forth fruit and harvest unto God. They need to live out their lives for God. But I do pray that you protect them from the evil. Guard them from the evil one. And so we guard and we protect and we watch over those who God has given us. We watch over our family. We observe the influences. We watch out for the pressure and the temptations and the evil that's coming, and we guard and guide. I love John chapter 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. All that ever came before me thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them why the sheep are protected in the fold said I am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let's hear the word of the Lord this morning. Jesus said, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. The thief doesn't come. Satan and his agents, evil men and wicked impositions, they come not but to steal and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have a people that have come through the door I am the door of salvation, and I've got them protected in the house of the Lord. I have them in the sheepfold. I have, pro- I have them protected in the local church. Thieves and robbers out there, but these sheep don't even hear them. There are gamblers out there who want to steal your money. There are defilers out there who want to steal your purity. There are corruptors out there who want to steal your righteousness. There's a thief out there. His name is Satan. He wants to steal your inheritance in God. But Jesus said thieves and robbers are running around, prowling around, but My people are safe because they're in the local church. They're in the sheepfold. They're dancing in the sheepfold, skipping like lambs and leaping like rams, filled with joy, the Word of God. They live a different life. They're oblivious to the thieves and robbers. And Jesus said, They're protected by me, and now they go in and out and they find pasture. They go in and out of the church and they find pasture, they find provision, they find jobs and occupation and well-being. They're going in and out, but they're protected by me. There's a house that's more important than your house that you live in with your family, and that's the house of the Lord. We go in and out from our own house every day to our jobs and responsibilities and duties of life. But that's not what Jesus emphasized here. He said, there's a sheepfold, there's a church, there's a house of God, there's a local church. And if my people will learn my protection under my care, they can go in and out every week to their pasture. They can do their work, they can gain employment, they can be fruitful, they can gain reward in the earth, and they will live under my protection. All the days of their life. Hallelujah. Protect them from the enemy. Father, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. In Genesis 21, there was a mother so distraught, so disheartened by life and what had taken place in her family that She took her child and young lad, young teenage son, and Bible says she cast him under a shrub, walked away a little distance and said, there's no hope, life is over for us. It's, It's best if we just die and end it all. The mother was Hagar, now a single mother, and her teenage son was Ishmael. Genesis 21, verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar. This was Abraham's son. He's sending them out. Cast out the bondwoman and her son and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, Let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Hagar's weeping, but there's a voice in the lad. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation." Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in your hand. For the future is as bright as the promise of God. Hagar and Ishmael sent out from Abraham and Sarah's house, a family broken, a family divided. They're on their own. A mother hopeless and a son, teenage son fatherless. A mother that is weeping and a son that is crying. But in his cry, there is a cry after God, and God heard the voice of the lad, and God said to Hagar, Hagar, it's not over. You've lost your vision, you've lost your hope. You think your world has come apart. Your family's broken, it's torn apart. You're now on your own. You think there's nothing ahead. The Lord said, Hagar, arise, lift up the lad, Put your hands upon him who is in your hands today. Lift him up in your hands, for I will make of him a great nation. And the Lord opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well of water, a fountain of living water. God says, I've got something for you to drink of. I've got some living water. There's some water of God that you need to drink of you and your son, for I will give you provision, and I will sustain you, and I will give you a future, for I am with the child, and I am with you. Hagar was choking on dry wilderness dust, filled with anxieties and fears and uncertainties and doubts, angers and bitterness in her heart over what had taken place. But God says, Hagar, I don't want you feeding on that. I don't want you feeding on anxiety. I don't want you feeding on fears. I don't want you feeding on the uncertainties and perplexities of of the future. I want you to begin to drink the living water of God, for I am with you. And I have a well of living water in this barren world for my people. And they will drink, and they will be satisfied. And I will strengthen them and lead them on into the future. You have to fight the temptation of anxiety and uncertainty and perplexity and doubt and fear like you do any other temptation. What are you feeding on? Anxieties and fears? Doubts and uncertainties? I pray that We'll let God open our eyes this morning and we'll see there's a fountain of living water filled with the promises of God and the goodness of the Lord. For the goodness of the Lord is laid up for those who fear him and we'll begin to drink of the waters of God and know that God's going to revive us and sustain us and God's going to lift up our children. And in times of trouble, even in times of breakdown in a family, when others say you have no hope and we feel it in ourselves, we're not going to give in to our feelings, to our anxiety and to our pain. We're going to say there is a fountain filled with the living water of God and I will drink and my God will lead me into the future. God saying to Hagar, Abraham isn't your future. I am your future. Sarah isn't your future. The I am God is your future. The circumstances of the past aren't your future. The great I am is your future. The feelings you're having right now, the pain and heartache, dread, anxieties, struggle, that's not your future the I am God is your future I am that I am he's always with us whatever happened whatever fell upon us whatever people have done to us whatever situations of life have breached and broken The I am God is with us. He said, "Key, get off that wilderness dust. Get off that choking desert sand. There's a fountain of living water. I want my people to drink of my provision. For I will lift them and I will lead them and I will guide them. Hagar, what is in your hand? Get some vision for your son, Hagar. Teenage son. Broken. Weeping. Lost cast under a shrub, fatherless. Get your hands on him, Hagar. Come on, arise, mother and father. Get a spirit of faith. Start drinking the water of God. Open your eyes. Put your hands upon that son, Hagar, because I will make of him a great nation. And God did exactly as he said. And that mother and that son walked out into the future with God. Let's have the worship team come. Who is in your hands today? Husband, wife, child, son, daughter, new Christian? Who is in your hand today? Have your hands become rough? Spirit, a little harsh? Words, cutting and cold, critical? You can amend your ways this morning. From now on, from now on, I will regard no one according to the flesh. But as a new creation in Christ, God, open my eyes to see the gift of God. Open my eyes to see what this person can become and what they will do. Who is in your hands? Treat them carefully. Put loving hands on them. Put kindness on them. Care for them. Encourage them. Protect them. Let them down gently. And let them go into the future with God. Let's stand together this morning.